Welcome back, Mike Farrell Sports Talk. My name is Adam, and as always, Mike Farrell joins me again for another edition. Thanks for listening to us on the Believe Podcast Network. And if you're watching on YouTube, watching these two fine, handsome gentlemen that are Mike and myself, make sure you hit the subscribe button. And uh, and every time we do videos, it'll pop in your feed. Mike Farrell will be in your feed as well because he's here on the show. Uh, make sure you bookmark his website, MikeFarrellSports.com. Mike, what's happening, my friend? Yeah, nothing. I was looking at MikeFarrellSports.com, actually, because I'm looking at the Paul Christ article as to why he shouldn't be fired. Yeah, um, so for those who have been living under a rock, Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ uh, was let go. Sounds like there was a buyout negotiation that took place at some point, Mike. Maybe you have more insight on sort of the mechanics, but in a surprise move, you and I joked the, the week prior there's going to be a coach fired every week, and yep. we joked about the names, right? Carl Dorwell, who actually ended up getting fired, by the way. Brian Harson, I threw out there Jeff Scott. I didn't have Paul Christ on my bingo card. I don't know if anybody did, but uh, he is now looking uh, – maybe he's playing bingo because he's not coaching football. This is changing all the rules. So we knew Darrell would probably be next, you know, and in succession, as you mentioned, Frost and Herm and Collins, those were all expected. Uh, and then Paul Chris gets announced that he's been fired and it, negotiation of the buyout. You know, I, honestly, this is a Wisconsin grad. Um, this is a guy who loves Wisconsin. This is a guy who left Pitt in a millisecond to take the Wisconsin job when it came open. Um, I think he's a nice enough guy to actually negotiate the buyout down to try to help Wisconsin, um, which is part of the reason why I think this is just an awful firing. I mean, 43 and eight in big 10 play 67 and 26 overall uh, three new Year's six bowl games in six seasons. Um, I don't really count COVID nine or more games in five out of six. I mean, we could be talking about the nice, Bo Pelini here. Um, be careful what you wish for. So the talk is that Jim Leonard, defensive coordinator, you know, is being looked at by a lot of schools as far as the next head coach. But there was no way on earth that he was locked in to be the next head coach someplace. Um, you know, he was mentioned, of course, in, in different circles in regards to Arizona State, in regards to Georgia Tech, uh, Colorado, um, Nebraska, yes. I don't think he was locked to be the next guy, but a lot of people have this theory that he was going to be the Nebraska coach, so they didn't want to lose him, so they got rid of Chris. But you just don't know what you're getting. He's never run a program. We're starting to see a little bit of what a guy who's never run a program struggles with, with Notre Dame, with Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. You know, um, great coordinators taking the next step it's sometimes a lot for him. So I think it's ridiculous. So now what I was looking at, who's next? You know, we've run out of the, the, the common names, but this is, this does not bode well for Steve Sarkeesian. This does not mm -hmm. bode well for Jimbo Fisher. This does not bode with that well for, for anybody who's even on a warm seat because it's, it's saying, you know, we're willing to cut ties so quickly uh, with somebody who's been successful to win now because the TV money is so big, because the pressure is on, because we have to take the next step in our development, blah, blah, blah. And Jimbo, yeah, he's got an $85 million buyout. You know, Sark has Arch Manning. Nobody's safe now. Um, you know, Nick Saban's safe. Jim Harbaugh's safe. Those guys are safe. But, you know, Ryan Day, Dabo, on and on. But after this weekend, could we be looking at Nick Saban beating Texas A&M 50 to 10 and Jimbo Fisher being fired. We could now anything can happen. 
Let me throw out some schools. You tell me where these rank on. I'm crazy meter. Um, um, what do you think about Oklahoma? Is Brent Venables okay? Is he in the world of no one's safe anymore? Venables is off to a really rough start. They get just curb stomped by TCU. Is Venables safe? Safe for now. You know, I, I don't think we're at the point yet where we're firing coaches five games into their, their tenure. Um, you know, Chris was five games into this season. You know, I've been around for a while. Um, you know, uh, Willie Taggart didn't make it more than a season and a half pretty much at Florida State. But, you know, but people aren't happy with that. Um, you know, he's he's his seat's warm. I think his seat was warm when he sat down. I think most coaches' seats are warm. So crazy meter, like, would that be crazy if he, you know, ended up getting fired uh, not after this weekend, but after this season, it, it would be crazy. Um, there would be a 10, but again, they're playing Texas, Texas curb stomps them. There's going to be a whole lot of people that are saying this was a horrible hire. This is not the fit, blah, blah, blah. And he's going to be on from a warm seat, which is warmed up since the loss of TCU to a very, very hot seat. Your close personal friend, Mr. Mike Norvell coming off a loss to, uh, to wake forest at Florida state. It would be an eight. I love setting you up for these. I love setting no, you up. I can see the pain on your face. I love it. It'd be it'd be an eight. It'd be crazy. You know, he's he got off to a 4-0 start. And, you know, I said earlier, obviously, as everybody knows who follows me on Twitter, I said that I couldn't find six wins in this schedule for them. And I thought he'd be fired if he had a 6-6 six and six season. And, of course, everybody was in my mentions after he started off 4-0 and calling me every name in the book and telling me to die. You know, now he's lost a game and he's got NC State and Clemson coming up. That could be two more losses. They could be four and three. And then all that momentum is out the window. Um, and then you look for two more wins on the schedule. You assume Georgia Tech's a win. You could assume Louisiana's a win. Uh, and then you got toss up with Miami, Syracuse, and Florida. Now, in this world of you know, what What have you done for me lately? Florida State fans will laugh and say, we're not going to lose to Miami. They lost to Middle Tennessee State. Well, you know, you could. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to lose to Georgia Tech. They fired their coach. Well, Pitt just did. You know, we're not going to lose to Florida. Anthony Richardson sucks. Well, they almost beat Tennessee, and they beat a pretty good Utah team. So, you know, he could still finish 6-6. Six and six. Um, But, you know, let's take things one game at a time. If he gets out of this 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 gauntlet of three games – with one win over either NC State or Clemson now left, he's in good shape. Uh, but I think seven and five is probably the bar, the low bar this season, and it would be an eight. I think it'd be crazy to fire him at this point. I'll give you a layup on this one then. Brian Harson, obviously Auburn's head coach, uh-huh. their next four games at Georgia, at Ole Miss, home uh-huh. Arkansas, at Mississippi State. So he's the one who's going to get fired next week. Um, that's going to happen. It just is. They're going to get killed by Georgia. You know, Georgia had their struggle with Missouri on the road. Kirby Smart now has selling points and coaching points and telling them not to get comfortable and everybody's questioning you. You're no longer number one in the country. Now you're number two. People think Alabama is better. All of that speaks to me of a just dominating victory. They're favored by 30. Uh, If they lose by 30 or more, then I think Brian Harson will be fired. So that would be a... 0.5 0.5 on the crazy meter. There's nothing crazy about that at all. Uh, he's going to be fired after this weekend. Well, let's get back to Wisconsin for a second. So if, if I'm hearing you correctly, 
in your in your what you're hearing, what you what you kind of observe here, Paul Christ is is not at Wisconsin more so because Jim Leonard is. Is that sort of the way to think about what went down, or are there things on the field, off the field? I mean, Wisconsin. I think what they're two and three this year so far. Are there, are there things on the field that you know administration you think thinks there there there's a backslide, um, and there's other stuff, or is it simply that hey we have Jim Leonard here, we don't want to lose him, so you got to go, buddy. No, there's some things. I mean, on the backslide, you know, the, the Graham Mertz was never developed, um, and and Paul Christ, if you remember, he looks like an offensive lineman, right? You know, you look at Brett Bielema and you're like, this guy must have been an offensive lineman. Well, he's a defensive coach. Uh, Paul Christ, you look at him and you're like, oh, Wisconsin, great fit, kind of a chubby guy. Offensive line is this. No, he's a quarterback. Um, development of Graham Merce has not happened. But the big thing that really is upsetting people is the lack of development of the offensive line over the last couple of years. Uh, they haven't been typical Wisconsin. They won nine games last year, uh, which was good, but they had some losses that shouldn't have occurred. They aren't out muscling people. They are not powering people. To that point, the strength of the the team is the defense, which, you know, Leonard gets all the credit for. Um, and I think that combination of things, you know, when, when Braylon Allen rushes for two yards on eight carries and your offensive line just looks garbage from the get-go, and then I'm talking like in wins, um, they didn't look good, the offensive line against Illinois State. Yeah, they certainly didn't look good against Washington State when they were upset there. Um you know, they didn't look good against New Mexico State. They won 66 to 7, and their offensive line still looked like garbage. Uh, and they've got a lot of highly recruited guys on that offensive line that are not developing. So that's what it is. It's like, okay, a program's not developing in this direction. This guy's our coach, supposed to be, you know, the strength of his, his development, supposed to be offense. He's not um, doing the job. Leonard is. Let's keep him before we lose him. So, I think that's the case there. I, I still think it's ridiculous. And, and I think people are ridiculous, you know, and not just administrators. Administrators are stupid. I mean, you know, I wrote an article yesterday about how the the Big Ten, you know, Trev Alberts is a smart guy. He's supposed to be a smart guy. He's the athletic director of Nebraska. There's no way on earth Scott Frost should have got another season ever. Um, but he did. And now they're, you know, in this purgatory of what's next for Nebraska. And they lost a, you know, they, they ended up firing them in September. They could have waited till October. They lost millions and millions of dollars doing that. It's just everything about this has been a clown show. Um, you know, Michigan State, uh, Mel Tucker gets $95 million guaranteed after one good season just because LSU wanted to hire him as a coach. So now he's guaranteed with that $95 million. He's making $9.5 million a year. That team sucks. They're two and three. They just lost to Maryland. Um, he could be a five and seven, almost $10 million coach or, or even four and eight. They're just not looking good. And, and, and this is dumb. So the reason I say people are dumb is because everybody at Oklahoma thought that Brent, Brent Venables was a better hire and he's going to do better because Lincoln Riley, the problem with Lincoln Riley was, you know, he developed the offense, couldn't develop the defense. Yeah. He went to the playoff three out of five years, but yeah. That's nothing. We can do that. Um, we need someone who coaches defense. Well, they gave up 55 points to TCU. Brent Venable's never been a head coach. Um, kind of been passed over for jobs before. Um, you know, built his name in Oklahoma and then Clemson, but this isn't going well. So all those people that say, screw you, Lincoln Riley, who, by the way, is undefeated at USC, 
we got a better coach. You don't. And those people who think that Leonard is a better coach than Paul Chris, you got to wait and see. Um, you know, there were two guys this season that I said were never, ever going to be able to live up to their predecessors. And, and that was Brent Venables with Lincoln Riley and Marcus Freeman with Brian Kelly. And now if Leonard's hired, I think it's three because I don't think he's going to be able to do what Chris did there. And the bar is three New Year's Bowl games in six seasons. So go ahead and do that. Wisconsin, is this is this Jim Leonard's job to lose? Are there any other candidates? I mean, is, is this the, the Lance Leopold derby where he's basically going to have nine, uh, nine jobs to pick from at the end of the year? Yeah, Lance is in a really good spot. Um, you know, the best thing on earth for Lance would be if this season were canceled somehow. Um, <laughs> you know, undefeated because he's the hottest commodity in the history of hottest commodities. You know, he, he's Matt Campbell times two right now. Uh, he's got ties to Wisconsin you know, coaching at Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, he is certainly one of the top guys. They haven't named Leonard the head football coach. He's the interim still. Um, he's obviously a very, very good candidate for this. But if a Lance Leifold wants to leave Kansas with his connections and, and history and state, um, if Dave Aranda wants to leave Baylor, with his time at Wisconsin as a defensive coordinator, I think those might, you know, trump the internal uh, hire. So they're going to take their time with this. Uh, this is a different job than Nebraska. When I when I looked at the Nebraska job and I was looking at these coaches that might be hired there, you know, Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, you know, Lance Leipold, those guys, I thought this was going to be the most attractive job in the Midwest, and it just got trumped because Wisconsin the more attractive job. Now, Nebraska fans will tell you we got better NIL, which arguable. I don't know who has better what. Um, better recruiting territory, not true. They both have horrible recruiting territories. And Wisconsin has a more recent winning tradition. Now, you know, you can go back to the 90s with Nebraska winning national championships if you want to, but none of these kids were born then. Um, so that's really not an advantage. Um, so I think the Wisconsin job is the most attractive job out there, and I think they're in a good position to sort of – Let's see if Aranda, let's see if Leopold want to take the jump there. Um, you know, even a Stoops at Kentucky, who I don't think would do that. Um, Dave Doran at NC State. Uh, there's a lot of good candidates for this Wisconsin job. And really quickly, Colorado obviously uh, fires um, Carl Durrell. Any idea where they may lean as their next head coach? I, I, I think they should hire Barry Odom. And, uh, and I okay. think it should be no question. The defensive coordinator at Arkansas has done a tremendous job. He got screwed at Missouri. Never really, you know, had some bad losses there, yes, but really never got a chance to build what he wanted to build there. Um, and he knows how to recruit Texas. And Colorado needs to recruit Texas. Um, in the old days, just like Nebraska, they would recruit the speed players in California. Uh, but that's not the case anymore. It's just not a consistent, successful thing. Um, so I think, you know, you hire Odom, who has tremendous ties to that area um, and is a very, very good coach and would love the job. You need someone who's going to love the job, someone who's not looking to, you know, shoot for the moon. I, I think Barry Odom is either going to go off to the NFL because, you know, if you're running your own program in college football, it's great. You know, there's a lot of things to do. And yeah, NIL and the portal and all that's frustrating, but at least you're in charge. When you're the right-hand man of somebody, 
and Pittman's a great guy and they have a great relationship, it's less fun. It's almost let's get a job at the NFL where I don't have to deal with NIL in the portal or let's run my own program. Um, and, you know, that's the excitement. So I think Odom wants a redemption tour of sorts. Now, Brian Harson is the wild card here. He does not, he's not out of a job yet, but I have heard him mentioned as a fit for um, Arizona State and Colorado. Um, and, and, you know, even to a lesser degree, Wisconsin, to a lesser degree, Nebraska. I mean, this guy's going to be a hot commodity once he gets fired. And the reason he's going to get fired is because the boosters don't want him there and the boosters control the world at Auburn. And until that changes, which it never will, Auburn's going to be in disarray. Um, and the only way to change that is to find a hire like Nick Saban, who just wins so much that the boosters just – they have nothing to say and they, they just have to keep their mouths shut and they haven't found that coach yet. Now let's go on the field here. Week five recap. You mentioned Missouri where Barry Odom used to coach. Uh, they gave Georgia all they can handle. Uh, Mike 26, 22 Georgia comes out on top. Um, thoughts from that game. Surprised that Georgia struggled a little bit surprised at how well Missouri was able to kind of stick with them. Or do you chalk this up? Kind of my, my stance on this is every team every year has a clunker. They have one game where you're like, what are we doing? How are we here? They pull it out in the end. They have the win. They go on. The season is what the season is. Is this yeah. that? Is this that clunker for Georgia? It could be, and it comes at a really good time. Because like I said, I think Kirby Smart wanted to drop from number one. I think Kirby Smart wanted to be challenged. I think he wanted to have a, 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 an opportunity to tell his team, you know, step up or step out. And the problem with it is, is that Missouri really showed a lot of weaknesses that we didn't know Georgia had. I thought Georgia had great wide receivers. They don't. Um, they've got two really freaky tight ends. You know, Brock Bowers is amazing, and Darnell Washington is uncoverable. But their receivers aren't fast, and they don't get a lot of separation. Um, I thought Stetson Bennett was unflappable. Um, and, and you know, he, he didn't have a horrible game, but he got hit so hard and so often that I think he was shook a little bit and I think he was banged up badly. And so what you've learned from this to handle the offense at Georgia, and I thought their offensive line was much, much better than this. I mean, they did the, the edge guys, the linebackers, I mean, they were not able to pick up the blitz. They were not able to single block these guys. There was so much pressure on Bennett and he was getting hit so much. The offensive line was really a disappointment to me. So offensively, the way to handle Georgia is to hit, 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 play more physical than they are, put Bennett on the ground, hit him in the sternum every other play, um, and and sort of pick and choose uh, what you want to do as far as blitz packages. You know, you can bring them. Um, you can leave your corners on a solo, you know, on an island with some of these wide receivers. You just got to account for Bowers, and you got to try to deal with, with Washington and how big he is. Um, defensively, I don't think we saw anything bad from Georgia. Um, Missouri kicked 18,000 field goals. Uh, they bowed up when they had to in certain situations, but they don't run to the ball like they did last year. They're missing some of those guys. Um, you know, the Tyndalls and Nicobe Deans of the world that were so explosive to the football that the play was shut down before it even started. Uh, those guys are missing. They're also missing a little bit in the interior. 
Obviously losing two guys in the NFL draft, very high uh, hurts and, and Jalen Carter injured hurts. So they're, they're susceptible. So I think it's good that they struggled, but I think there's a game film that everybody's going to watch. And it's going to be this one as to how to beat Georgia. And it's going to cost them a game down the road. They're going to lose a football game because somebody saw what Eli Drinkwitz and his team were able to do against this Georgia team. Let's stay in the SEC for a second. Uh, Alabama loses Bryce Young to a shoulder injury. Jalen Milrow comes in. Uh, they obviously um, struggle a little bit, but pull out a victory against uh, against uh, Arkansas. Do you have any concern about Alabama if Bryce Young can't go for a couple of games uh, as as we kind of charge the season? To your point earlier, Texas A&M this week at Tennessee after that, too. Any concern about, about Alabama yeah. if Bryce Young is not back there? I mean, at the beginning of the season – Texas A&M was supposed to be the more difficult of these games. Texas A&M is a joke. Um, I think Alabama is favored by 24 points. They will not struggle. And Nick Saban could very well run the score up because he doesn't like Jimbo Fisher. Mm-hmm. And he's petty enough to do that, and I love his pettiness. Um, it, it would be kind of fun for college football if he ran it up to the point where Texas A&M was so embarrassed by this loss that they fired Jimbo Fisher and then all chaos occurs. And Nick Saban's thinking about that. Trust me, it's not high on his list. You know, winning the game, quarterback issues, all this other stuff is high on his list. But somewhere on that list down at number 10 or 11 is get Jimbo fired. Um, They're going to kill Texas A&M. Tennessee's a different story. It's at Tennessee. That atmosphere is amazing. That offense is scary. And, yes, there's a drop-off. I mean, Jalen Milrow is a freak. Six-foot-two, 220-pound rock. You know, he's Derrick Henry-like runner. He's supposedly the fastest football player on this team. Um, and But he's not an accomplished passer. He doesn't have the experience and the rhythm. We saw him in the spring game, how good he was. But in game action, he's not Bryce Young. He's not even close to him as far as a passing threat. So you have to game plan differently for him. Um, and the game plan is to keep him contained. Don't let him run. Make him beat you with, with the passing game. Uh, and that's a little bit scary as you head into Mississippi State's coming up after that. LSU looks like a little bit of a dangerous team. Old Miss is after that. It's a pretty, pretty hefty schedule coming up. So I'm concerned if I'm Alabama from a passing standpoint because, you know, Bryce Young throws them open and these receivers aren't that great for Alabama, which sounds funny to say because we've been so spoiled in recent years. Um, Milroe doesn't throw them open. And that could be a little bit of an issue, but they'll they'll throttle a And M, and I think they might struggle a little bit with Tennessee on the road. Do you think we see Bryce if if he's not one hundred percent? Do you think Jimbo? Uh, do you think Jimbo gets a chance to face him, or do you think Nick holds him out this week? I think Nick holds him out. I mean, it's his throwing shoulder, so that's yeah. the concern for me. You know, you can shoot him up, and and you know the pain can be managed, but the mechanics are going to be slightly off. Now, I don't know how bad it is. Uh, I know he's, you know, questionable and all that stuff, but I think in this situation, I expect Milrow to be the starter, and then I expect them to just roll over A and M, um, and then I expect, you know, Bryce Young to be back for Tennessee. All right, let's go to Clemson. Are you now a DJU fan? Are you a believer in what DJ Uangalele is doing at Clemson? They are five and zero. They beat a pretty tough NC State team, thirty twenty. Are you firmly in DJU camp? I've always been a fan. Uh, I've been extremely critical because he's not the same player that I saw um, 
you know, in high school. In high school, he wasn't thinking a lot. He was reacting and he was using his ability uh, naturally. And that's why we had the debate between Bryce Young and, and DJ. Um, I got to I got to practice his name. So it's Uyunglele, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uyunglele. Um, but, you know, when we saw him come in in COVID. He was slinging the ball around. I think it was Notre Dame and I forget who else he played, but he putting up big numbers. Then he started thinking, then he started getting tight. Then he started overthinking. Then he started just getting in his own head. And we saw all last season, how just average he was to below average. We started to see a little bit this season, but he was still below average in Georgia Tech, you know, the Georgia Tech game. Um, still below average, you know, against Louisiana Tech. Furman doesn't count because it's not a real team. Started to see a turn on a little bit against Wake Forest, but it was still slow. There was still a delay of, of recognition of where the football should go and how quickly. That is starting to fade. So, you know, 21 to 30, 209 yards, one TD. You know, he carried the ball a lot more as well, which I think is huge for him. They weren't running him last year either, and it seemed there was a there was a reputation that that this big kid had that he didn't want to run. That's not the case. I mean, he had 14 carries, 73 yards, two touchdowns. That balance for you know Cam Newton is who I compared him to coming out of high school is extremely important. Um, do I believe? I believe. Clemson's going to lose a game this season. Um, I believe he's getting better, uh, but I'm not there yet. He's not the number three player in the country as I had him coming out of high school, uh, and he's a far cry from Bryce Young. Um, and this team, you know, they had some secondary injuries, and Brian Brzee is going to miss another game. And defensively, they're solid, but there are some weaknesses there. So who's going to exploit it? It's not going to be B.C., I doubt it's going to be Florida State. Um, Syracuse is going to be an interesting game for them. It's at home, but that's the type of game that Clemson always struggles with because Syracuse mm -hmm. says Trader's very effective. He doesn't turn the ball over. Sean Tucker can run the ball. They can control the pace of the game, perhaps. That's the one I look at that scares me the most if I'm a Clemson fan. The quietest 5-0 and team in the nation, Mike. The Ole Miss Rebels. Now, they haven't played anybody. They beat Kentucky this weekend, 22-19. to But they are 5-0 and with a pretty soft schedule coming up. Vandy, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M before they get to Alabama. Are Is Ole Miss for real, or is it just a function of the fact that they've played Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, and Tulsa before Kentucky? No, they're, they're real. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin is a tremendous coach. So I was watching that game, and it struck me that we are looking at, and I truly, truly believe this, the successor to Nick Saban. Um, you know, and again, uh, we need to get a, like a hot take sounder on the show or something. My it's, goodness, it's a, it's a few years away. Obviously, Nick Saban's not going anywhere. You know, he did look old for the first time in my life in the Texas game, but you know, Alabama's still a program, a juggernaut, and. We're talking like three, four years from now. Um, I think Lane Kiffin loves where he is. I think he's got a great situation at Ole Miss, you know, and he will be involved in other coaching searches um, because he is a great coach. Um, offensively, he's a great coach. This team defensively has improved quite a bit. Um, and it's not like they, you know, destroyed Kentucky. Kentucky no. arguably should have won that football game. Um, but they held them to 19 points. You know, 
they they improved so much defensively. Now they beat nobody. They beat Troy. Troy's not a bad team, but they beat Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, sucks. Tulsa, Kentucky was the first good team they played, and, and they played very well defensively. And I think that's the key for him because last year the defense sucked, and I knew they'd improve because they added a lot of guys in the portal. But what I see from this three-headed monster at running back, Jackson Dart's meh. They have good receivers, but their defense is much, much improved. Um, I think this is a team that probably is going to continue undefeated heading into Alabama in November. Now, Vanderbilt's an easy win. Auburn's an easy win. At LSU is not easy. At Texas A&M, who knows what state that program is going to be in. So I'm giving them four victories here that maybe I shouldn't. But this team is legit. They can run the ball. They play physical. Uh, Lane Kiffin can out-scheme you. Um, and, and defensively, they've improved probably more than any other team in the SEC. Which of these two teams has a better shot of beating Alabama? Uh, both of them are road games for Bama. They're at Tennessee, and they're at Ole Miss. Of those two, which which team do you think has a better chance of upsetting Alabama? I think Ole Miss does. Um, you know, I like Tennessee, top 10 team. I think they're going to struggle a little bit against LSU this week. Um, you know, they've got Hendon Hooker is very efficient with the football, doesn't turn it over. They don't have the same running game that Ole Miss does. Uh, Ole Miss with that depth. I mean, they've got obviously two transfer running backs that are very good and then a true freshman that's surprising everybody. Um, I think that's going to be the key. Now, usually it's um, mobile quarterbacks that give Alabama a little bit of a fit. But I think this is a team that can, you know, run effectively against them. And I don't think Tennessee can. I think Tennessee is going to struggle in the running game. That's going to allow, you know, the, those bookend pass rushers to tee off on Hooker, and, and he could have a long night. Let's go to the Big 12 for a second. We, we touched on it off the top. TCU 55, Oklahoma 24. I was 27-10 after the first quarter, Mike. Dylan Gabriel gets knocked out. Things don't get a lot better for uh, for Oklahoma. Guys are running wide. There's still a guy running wide open somewhere in Oklahoma right now that they're not covering. I mean, that was a tough defensive performance. Surpri what's your emotion? A surprise, shocked, uh, embarrassed. Like, where are you at after watching that game? Shocked. I mean, they lost to Kansas State, and I understood that. Kansas State gives them trouble, probably more so than any other Big 12 team in Norman, Oklahoma, for some reason, Kansas State has their number and always gives them trouble. And Kansas State was coming off of a tough loss as they, you know, so they came down from the Missouri win and then played, you know, two, two lanes level and lost that game. And they were kind of angry and they had a lot of confidence going into this game. But what I expect from an Oklahoma team that loses a game that they shouldn't lose, which they do every other year, maybe every year, um, they should clobber their next opponent and they got destroyed and it was stunning, uh, remarkable fashion, embarrassing. Uh, and it's embarrassing to the fan base and the boosters and everybody who, you know, was pissed that Lincoln Riley left because you know what? He gave up 41 points to Kansas state. He gave up 55 to TCU. Uh, these are not, you know, four and five star football players. Uh, you got smoked. Your defense is worse than it was under Lincoln Riley. And you hired a defensive coach to fix that. So it's embarrassing. Uh, I don't know what to expect because both Oklahoma, Oklahoma this year looks like garbage um, to me over the last two games. And Texas is just Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know what team you're going to get. So that 
showdown is going to be fun to watch because it could be a field goal game or it could be, you know, somebody absolutely, um, you know, boat racing the other team. It's just you have no idea with these two programs. Oklahoma make uh, Max Duggan look like John Elway out there. I mean, 67-yard touchdown run, five total he, touchdowns. He I know he ran track in high school, but he, he outran everybody. It wasn't even close. Like the speed of the Oklahoma defense was extremely disturbing. Um, and yeah. Duggan, by the way, I mean, talk about a great year. I mean, you talk about efficient. You know, the, the, the thing every quarterback coach, every offensive coach wants is for your quarterback to be effective and not turn the football over. And he's got 11 TDs, no interceptions. He's been just a, a revelation for them, um, which is funny, you know, because he's from Iowa. And the Hawkeyes could certainly use a quarterback like that, and <laughs> they don't have one. Sonny Dykes has those boys playing hard. They got Kansas in the uh, the college game day game this week, Mike, which should be fun. And you talk about Texas, Oklahoma. We don't know who the quarterbacks are going to be at that game. We still don't know if Quinn Ewers is going to be back or not for Texas. Don't know the status of Dylan Gabriel after uh, what we assume is a concussion in this game, Mike. So Texas, Oklahoma with backup quarterbacks could be even more exciting. Yes. I have a prediction for you. I think Ewers will start and I think okay. Gabriel sits. And the reason I say Gabriel sits is I don't know to what level um, he has is this. Oh, I, I, have, I have no idea what level, you know, grade concussion he was given and all this other stuff. But we are we are in a real um, yeah where we are right now with head injuries like that, that's that's a thing for sure. It's going to impact everybody's ability to a. There's not going to be another player who's concussed that comes back in a football game without massive massive scrutiny. And I think we had one in the NFL yesterday. I can't remember who it was, but and it was it wasn't a quarterback. But for a quarterback. You go out with a concussion, you're not coming back in. Then the, the 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 you know the 12 steps and hoops you had to get through to play are now 25. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Oklahoma has to be extremely careful letting him back on the field because if they do and he gets hurt, hmm. So I think he's I think he's gonna sit. Um, and I think honestly, moving forward in, in college football and even in the NFL, the protocol changed from you get concussed on a Sunday and you can play on a Thursday to you get concussed on a Sunday. You're not playing the following Sunday. Yeah. The earliest you're going to play is two weeks. I think that's what changed all from that Thursday night football game. Well, I mean, I, we're talking about Tua Tungavailoa, so he gets injured Thursday. He's already ruled out for the game next Sunday, Mike. So he's already no, out for the game. Now, no again, two two concussions back-to-back, -back, although one was a back injury. I, who really knows about right, that? But right, you're right. Exactly. The, the protocols are going to change uh, yeah. very, very quickly in college football and pro football. Yeah. Um, and it's going to affect everybody, you know. And, and – uh, I can't really speak to whether it's good or bad or whatever. I mean, honestly, you know, CTE is important and targeting now is going to probably change as well. And that's going to be enforced differently. And all these, you know, blows to the head and everything is going to be changed. I saw an article today, you know, those big foam pads yeah. on helmets yep. that they wear, you know, when you're in shells and practice and stuff like that. Now people are saying that that should be uh, required in football. It's going to happen eventually. Not, not now. But what we saw on Thursday night, you know, with that neurological, uh, the concussion and the neurological response that went so viral uh, and the NFL 
doctor being fired immediately and, you know, the Dolphins coming under a serious investigation as to whether he should have played or not, it's going to change everything. Um, and, and that's why I say, you know, Quinn Ewers could come back from a shoulder injury, you know, sooner than expected, but nobody's going to come back from a concussion sooner than expected, even if they're ready. Dylan Gabriel could pass all 25, 28, 30, whatever, you know, um, indicators he needs to pass to play and they could still hold them out simply because of the culture and, and the, the temperature of the world right now when it comes to head injuries. Let's go to two more quickly on the field, Mike. Uh, Wake Forest uh, beats uh, Florida State 31-21, obviously a bounce back win for Wake Forest after losing to uh, to Clemson. Can Wake be a team that challenges in that ACC? I, I, it feels like there's a couple of teams kind of fighting for that that second you know pole position behind Clemson with NC State, Florida State obviously still in their Wake Forest. Where do you where do you kind of rank Wake Forest after Clemson in the ACC? Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because you've got you know Syracuse obviously is is the only other undefeated team, and everybody's expecting them to lose eventually and. I don't know if they will or won't. I mean, they're playing extremely well. I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated and go to the playoff, but you could certainly make an argument for them being the best team. Um, Wake Forest beat Florida State. Florida State had some kicking issues. It wasn't like Wake Forest was by far the better team. Um, it was close. Uh, so as far as the second best team, it, it's certainly not anybody from the Coastal. Uh, you know, I mean, they all suck, every one of them. No offense to Duke. You, you lost to Kansas and it wasn't a router. I'm not sure like why that. Duke would be offended by that. I think they know they saw well, They're four and one. I mean, that's that's nice and all. And, and North Carolina is four and one, and they didn't give up 80 points this past weekend, which is great. Um, you know, but the Coastal is an embarrassment. So you have to look to the Atlantic uh, and you have to really. I'm going to give Syracuse the benefit of the doubt here and say that they're, even though they're ranked behind Wake Forest, um, and, and I know NC State is ranked ahead of them as well, but I think Syracuse is the second best team in the second eight. time in the show, Mike. You've given Syracuse love. Well, and again, they're playing so well in so many different factors. I mean, they blew out Louisville. That was a surprise. UConn and Wagner don't count, but they won a close game against Purdue. They won a close game against Virginia. They're learning how to win. Schrader is a different quarterback, just a different guy. Um, than he was at Mississippi State. Just very, very efficient, dangerous with his legs, not throwing into traffic. And their defense is really kind of shockingly good. Their defensive backs are some of the best players in the country that you've never heard of. Um, so they've got NC State and Clemson in their next two games. That's not good. You know, they have a bye week this week. Um, but right now, I would have to say Syracuse over Clemson, I mean, I over Wake Forest because Wake Forest had their chance at, at, at Clemson. They didn't win. Uh, and Florida State had their chance at Wake Forest against Wake Forest, and they didn't win either. So give me Syracuse. All right. In the Hank Stram, what the hell's going on out there moment of the week? Georgia Tech beats Pitt. Georgia Tech cleaned house this week. Athletic director, head coach, walked to their cars, escorted off the property. Brent Key, interim head coach, a, a Georgia Tech guy. Uh, he was pretty emotional in the locker room, Mike. A 26-21 win for Georgia Tech a week after basically cleaning house. A uh, pit team that we think we thought was good is now 3-2 and two in the year, by the way. What, uh, is this more about Georgia Tech? Is this more about Pitt? Is Pat Narduzzi a hot seat candidate? If we're, gonna, if we're firing people for crazy reasons, is Pat Narduzzi should be looking over his shoulder for the, for the wow. pink slip? Completely embarrassing, unacceptable. I mean, every team we've seen 
and there haven't been a ton of them, but you know, we saw, you know, Nebraska get that first little boost of interim head coach excitement, you know, in one drive against Oklahoma and then they sucked. Arizona state maybe lasted one drive as well. And then they sucked. Um, the assumption would be that Georgia tech would come out excited for one drive and suck. Um, and, and this was at, at Pitt. I mean, this wasn't a, this wasn't a road game for the Panthers either. Uh, it's, it's an embarrassingly horrible loss. Um, and it really does make you think because I thought Pitt was a real football team. Um, you know, they lost to Tennessee in a close game. Tennessee's pretty good. They beat West Virginia in a close game. Um, and then they lose to Georgia tech. And now I don't think they're a real football team. And, Narduzzi is a guy that the Pitt fans love to complain about. I don't think he's on the hot seat because I don't think Pitt can do better. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of – it's kind of insulting, I guess. Um, but he's a good coach. He's he's won his division. Um, they were obviously ACC champs last year. Um, I think he's safe enough. But for them to be, you know, three and two right now, you could make an argument they should have lost to West Virginia if Neil Brown were a, a goofball and ruined that game for, for West Virginia. Um, I mean, they could legit be two and three. He's not on the hot seat, but if I'm a Pitt fan, I'm pretty ticked off, and Pitt fans get ticked off at Narduzzi very, very quickly. So it, it's not pretty there, but he's not in, I don't think he's in any jeopardy. We don't hear enough of the national media calling coaches goofballs. I think we need more of that. Yeah. One more question for you. Is Kansas who, who, for real? Who did I call a goofball? Neil Brown. Oh, and that was so stupid. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not justified, Mike. I'm no, just saying you don't hear well, it all the time. Like, I was out of line, but no, that, that was yeah. just dumb. Yeah. That game itself was dumb. And he, sh- 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 you know, he's, just yeah. again, not disputing any of the accuracy of the report, just the the adjective to describe the individual. Uh, Kansas, are they for real? A 14 to 11 a barn burner, by the way, over Iowa State. They're now five and oh, have a matchup with TCU this weekend. Is Kansas for real? Is this a little fun story going to continue on? Like, it's, I mean, they're for real. Um, for real being relative, they're for real in the Big 12. Is I anybody still- on that team a goofball? No, no goofballs. And Lance okay. is a tremendous coach. You know, I came up with my Big 12 rankings uh, at the beginning of the season. And, of course, you know, West Virginia fans were upset Neil Brown was last. Well, guess what? He's coached like a goofball, and he just hasn't been good. People were ticked off that I had Sonny Dykes ahead of Brent Venables. And they're like, well, they're both first-year coaches. They're both oh No, no Sonny Dykes has more experience. He's a better coach. Um, and they were really ticked off that I had Lance Lee pulled uh, number three, um, you know, behind Campbell and Gundy. Well, he's a really good coach, and he belongs there. Um, they're 5-0. and oh. Now, the best team to me uh, in that conference is Oklahoma State. They're 4-0. Oh. Um, I think there's a bit of a drop-off after them. You know, Kansas State I thought would be good. That one loss is so stupid because they should be 5-0, and oh, and they should be probably in the top 15, top top. 10 area. Kansas is real in relativity to the big 12. They're not real when it comes to the playoff. They're not real when it comes to national championships. Um, they're not real in that, that respect, but they're, they're good. I mean, look at their, they lead the big 12 in points scored. Um, the play of that offense 
has been really, really good. Uh, the problem is they give up too many points here and there. Uh, and I think that could hurt them against the TCU. And if it doesn't hurt them against the TCU, it's certainly going to hurt them down the line when they do play Oklahoma State um, or Kansas State, who could both put up points. What's another game from the weekend that kind of caught your eye or that you were following along with? That's a good question. Let me take a quick look. You want to talk about that, you know, that barn burner rice UAB or no? No, nope, nope. I really don't. Um, I, I liked what I saw from Michigan. I didn't, I, I didn't expect Iowa to score points. We don't, we know. No, Iowa. Nobody expects Iowa to right. score points. Mike. But I figured at home. Iowa Phoenix, doesn't expect Iowa to score points. Phoenix is a very difficult to play place to play. They're, they're, they're top five killer, you know, teams and, and I could see Michigan perhaps coming out and, and having a dud game and maybe, you know, struggling to win 13 to 10 or, you know, even losing. Um, and they didn't. They ran the ball effectively. Uh, they have good balance in their offense. You know, J.J. McCarthy is not the all-world guy that everybody thinks he is, uh, but he's he's maturing. He's coming along. But that was a that was a game that could have been a problem for Michigan, and it wasn't. Um, so that one kind of stood out to me a little bit. You know, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a weakness in USC. Um, you know, yeah, they, they throttled Arizona State, and it was never really in doubt. Um, but I don't know, 21-17 at the half against an Arizona State team that lost their coach and lost pretty much all their talent and isn't very good. Coming off a game against Oregon State where, you know, they, they could have easily lost. Uh, that's a little scary to me. Uh, Penn State's offense looked horrible. Uh, that worries me. Um, and Oklahoma State continues to be quietly, you know, the, the team you never hear about that is very, very good, very dangerous, very well coached. Um, Spencer Sanders' revenge tour continues. And I think they're going to be a team that that we're going to be looking at as a potential playoff team, um, you know, because the Big 12, very erratic, uh, and it's going to be difficult to knock them off. I mean, Baylor was one of those – these games you circled at the beginning of the season that they could lose because it's on the road and they handled it. So impressed with Oklahoma state for sure. Um, disappointed by Minnesota. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. You know, I mean, come on, Purdue, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, I guess, I guess that's about it. I mean, there was one other game, Utah destroyed Oregon state. That was a good win. Oregon actually took care of Stanford. Stanford always gives them trouble. Always. They didn't really give them trouble here. I mean, they, they were 31 to three at the half. Uh, so I think Oregon's starting to come together on our Dan landing as well. And that guy who should be on the hot seat watch is David Shaw. Makes $9 million a year reportedly. You know, you don't get those public numbers there. Um, dude, beat Colgate, drubbed by USC, drubbed by Washington, drubbed by Oregon now. I mean, if you have a three and nine or four and eight season, could be gone. Let's look ahead to next week, Mike. There are three matchups of, uh, of, of ranked teams. Number eight, Tennessee. Uh, number 25, LSU. TCU, 17. Kansas, 19. And then you have Utah, 11. UCLA, 18. If you can only watch one of those games this weekend, which one are you going to watch? Well, it's definitely not going to be Utah-UCLA. Um, no offense to them, but the crowds there just depress me. And the Rose Bowl can make it look like there's less people. 
Um, sure. But there's yeah. the best people. I mean, it's just awful. You're you got an undefeated football team, and nobody cares. Nobody shows up. I need a, a sort of a raucous atmosphere for me to actually get into a football game, even if it's on TV. So I don't care about that one. You know. So then it comes down to Tennessee LSU, which is certainly intriguing. Um, you know, but it's not a night game. Uh, you know, it's, it's a noon it's, kick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that changes. That just doesn't feel right. Like, yeah, that shouldn't be at noon. Right. That, that It should be a night game. It should be Death Valley. It should be like crazy. So it's not that one either. Although I think that's going to be intriguing, very close football game. Uh, it's TCU in Kansas, man. I mean, wow. Memorial Stadium is going to be as loud as it's been since uh, the fat man was in charge. You know, back in the day, Mark Mangino. Mark Mangino, yeah. Okay. Uh, and make sure we were clear on who that was. And game day is there for the first time ever in Lawrence, Kansas. And it's really just cool. Um, TCU is a seven-point favorite going into this game on the road against an undefeated Kansas team. Kansas has a lot to prove, um, and, and I'm really interested in seeing, you know, how they handle this what I call attention, you know, they've gone under the radar a little bit and, and now you've got game day there and everybody's going to be watching this game and it's in a great slot. And Jalen Daniels is a guy to watch. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be the guy that I have my eyes on. TCU is a touchdown favorite right now. Um, it's crazy. I don't understand why, so but somebody be- knows something in Vegas. People know stuff. They don't build all those buildings for nothing. Mike, what's got you pissed off this week? Uh, I mean, the Chris firing, I don't really have a, I don't have a dog in that fight, so I don't really care. Um, but what pisses me off is certainly the fact that there's a lot of coaches out there that are ridiculously overpaid and it's all a lack of administrative smarts. Um, you know, the fact that Scott Frost is still, you know, collecting a 15 million buyout when that should have never in a million years happened. Um, the fact that Mel Tucker is making 95 million and if he gets fired tomorrow, he gets all of it anyways. Um, and that was just a knee jerk reaction to, to LSU being interested in him after one good season. And you remember this guy was five and seven at Colorado and they hired him and he was making a million dollars a year more than Mark D'Antonio. The, the world is stupid and administrators are stupid. Jimbo Fisher has $85 million left on his contract, and he's been awful. Just really embarrassingly bad. Number one recruiting class is great, but your offense sucks, and you haven't developed a quarterback there. You know, David Shaw, I already mentioned, making $9 million. He's been good for them over the years, but they haven't been good since, since you know, uh, Christian McCaffrey was there, which was 100 years ago. Um, Dana Holgerson's making $4 million a year at Houston. That's a group of five salary. That's he just got a vote of confidence too by uh, Tillman Fertitta. Even though things are imploding there, they lose a tough one in Tulane. He's yelling at the fans on the sidelines, but yeah, he got a vote of confidence, Mike. Yeah, if you've ever watched Million Dollar Buyer, uh, which is a great show, I don't think it's on anymore, but it's Tillman Fertitta, you know, talking about this, that, and the other, his business sense, and it's kind of like a reality show, like a bar rescue for restaurants and things like that, but it's for investments. Tillman Fertitta is no fool. Um, he's no joke. A vote of confidence from him is essentially a pink slip. So Hogerson's <laughs> done. You know, he's two and oh. three. He's embarrassing the program. They're really underachieving. Um, and he's making $4 million. Now, $4 million to Fertitta is nothing. 
you know, it's he's a billionaire. Um, but voter confidence from him means nothing. Houston is is going to part ways with that guy. And again, this is a guy, you know, he's a wild card at West Virginia. There were all these stories about this, that, and the other off field stuff, and he's got to win to be attractive as a football coach. Um, if he's not winning, then he's just a guy that's got a lot of issues that come out. And Memphis is four and one. They're at home. I think they're going to beat Houston. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be fired after that, but he's got so much talent. The other thing that kind of, it doesn't piss me off, but it's, it's intriguing to me. SMU, if you heard about this, a lot of their players yeah, are going to yeah. sit out because they don't want to use a year of eligibility because they all want to go yep. into the portal and blah, blah, blah. You know, and they're playing UCF. They're going to get drubbed there too. Now, this was a team. Ah. Eh, well, they, listen, they were they were a team that was supposed to have be. Have you seen John Rice Plumley throw for 49 <laughs> yards in a game? Because I have. He can run at least. And did Tanner He's Mordecai, actually the leading rusher in the AAC, if that tells you anything. Did Tanner Mordecai is supposed to have all these weapons, right? And then they're supposed to. And, yeah, they've lost to Maryland and TCU who are two good football teams. But yeah. clearly this team is lost. I mean, they don't have any continuity. Everybody's pointing a finger at each other, um, it, which is similar. You remember when 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 Holgerson arrived at Houston, he decided to redshirt everybody. Um, this is guys yeah. deciding to redshirt that themselves. A, that was the De'Ara King situation, right? De'Ara King sits out and says, "Hey, I'm done here," and other guys opt out too. And then Holgerson basically takes a like a like a buffer year and just says, "Hey, I'll take a gap season. We'll be, we'll be better next year." And he really hasn't ever delivered on that promise. No, and so now you've got, you know, not the coaches saying we're going to redshirt guys. You've got guys saying I'm going to redshirt myself. Um, yeah. You know, and, and Sonny Dykes is gone. Rhett Lashley's there, and it's already off the rails very bad. So I think that's something that was going to happen with the portal, especially with the December, the move to the portal. And in, in December, you can jump in there if you're not a grad transfer or whatever. So it's, it's not unexpected, but the first team that does it is going to set a trend for other teams, and it's never good to be first. So I think SMU's in a bit of trouble. I think Houston's in a bit of trouble. And these were two teams that I thought were going to be near the top of the American Conference, and they're just not. Yeah, you and a lot of other people. I think Houston had a really soft schedule in the AAC. They don't play Cincinnati. They don't play UCF. So there was a lot of thought that they would they would ride this thing. But Tulane, the, with their third-string quarterback, by the way, I should tell you, Tulane's third-string quarterback beats uh, beats Houston uh, at home. Like One last one for you. If I had told you coming into this NFL season that Bailey Zappi would be the first rookie quarterback to throw a touchdown pass, you would have said what to me? I would have said that seems crazy. Now – Again, call me a goofball. Nah, no, but Mac Jones. Okay. Mac Jones is serviceable. I mean, I think the fact that he, you know, had such a great season at Alabama and waited his turn and was coached well. And the, the, then was talk of like, you know, the 49ers were going to take him and they, they ended up, you know, landing on Trey Lance, who looks like a disaster as well. And, you know, who's the best quarterback in that class after Trevor Lawrence, blah, blah, blah. I think Mac Jones was, certainly overinflated value-wise, just like Kenny Pickett this past draft. Um, I don't even know who their backup was. Who is Brian it? Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Okay, he's been around for 28 years. <laughs> At least. 
has been a backup all 28 of those years. Um, I remember him at Michigan State a thousand years ago. So he's not good. Um, so I, I don't think it would have been like, oh, you're nuts, you're crazy. But, you know, you would expect one of these rookies that was drafted in the first couple rounds to have thrown a touchdown pass by now at the very least, but none of them are playing. I'll tell you this, I'm more surprised that Wisconsin had two yards on 24 carries against Illinois. Okay. Okay. I'm right. more surprised that Arizona, uh, Jaden Delora at Arizona and, and East Carolina Holton Aylers, Aylers each had 450 plus yards and six touchdowns with zero interceptions in the same freaking weekend. Um, yeah, and I'm more surprised that Drake May is the best quarterback in the ACC. Not that I didn't think he was good, but all the Trevor Lawrence comparisons that I heard about coming out of the spring and the fall, but he still in won the job, had me very confused as to why people are so high on him. Uh, but we should be high on him. He's really, really good. All right, well, I thought that Bailey Zappi uh, stat would would uh, would get you, Mike, but I guess not. Uh, it's also getting dark where Mike is at now. He wait, looks wait, wait, wait. so it looks like I'm in a basement, right? So this it is does. the problem. Well, this is the yeah. problem I have. So let me turn on my light. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I turn on my light, and then my face is like. Yeah. So so yeah. let me turn down in my the, light. In oh, the wow. dark, though, Mike, I didn't know how to tell you this. In the dark, you had a bit of like. A, are you familiar with the old Austin Powers movies? Yeah, absolutely. You had a little bit of like the the potential uh, shape of a fat bastard uh, from the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> I can't think of anything more insulting. Yeah, for you I'm sure you could possibly say. So there looks like you had sideburns and looks like your okay. face was there. Watch the replay; you'll see. This is a little better. Hold yeah. on, one, okay. one more. Take your time. Okay, so now if I just do the overhead lights and no ring light. Oh, that's much better. Yeah, but it's still horrible. But I look less fat bastard like, and yeah, I should shave. But well, I, it just it just looked like you had mutton chops the way you were looking at the camera there, and the glare looked like you just had these big giant mutton chops, which maybe you should grow. It could be a new look for you. Listen, I'm fat, but I'm not fat bastard. I mean, that dude is awesome. He is legendary, and I could never even even if I ate like thirty thousand calories a day for the next seven years, I couldn't reach that. Well, let's uh, let's challenge Mike to try that. We're gonna get out of here. We're gonna try to practice saying DJ Ui Ungalele some more. But so we'll be back at some point in time for another show. Again, follow Mike moving forward. Top light. You think so? All right, we figured it out now. Like nine shows in, we've got what the lighting figured out. What do you have? I got a little ring light right here. I also have an up top light here, but I have a little ring light right here in my face. But I don't have a window. My window is off off over here. You look, you're. You, you, I don't know if you like to get your tan on during the afternoons there no, by, by the window. The way this place is set up, we just moved here like six months ago. The way it's set up is there's there's an office area against the wall with no window. And then there's an office area here against the window. And I wanted the vitamin D, you know, mm -hmm. to handle my horrible, horrible depression. But it's really ruined my pod life. But I think it's kind of funny to join in on a pod where somebody looks like Fat Bastard in the dark. And it's so unable to figure out his audio because before what was our problem my webcam was slow and yeah, choppy yeah now i'm completely unclear and look ridiculous so what's mm -hmm. going to be next 
tune in. I assume you'll be upside down next week is, is where you kind of what I'm waiting for. So but you'll have to tune in to find out. You'll have to subscribe, first of all, to YouTube to find out. Make sure you're also subscribing to the podcast feed as well on Believe. Wherever you get your podcast, you'll find Mike Farrell Sports. Again, as go to his website, MikeFarrellSports.com. I've been less excited about doing podcasts because the subscribers were going up and then it just flatlined. Mm-hmm. I need more subscribers to do more podcasts. Yeah. We're going to work on that. We're going to work on that. Maybe it'll be just a show of us saying DJ Uyunglele. Can we give prizes? I don't have any money for prizes, though. How about a personal phone call from you? Oh man, you think people would sign up for that? God no. Yeah. Uh, look, if you so, here's the thing. Hold on. You obviously you were you were one of the the godfathers of the model of yeah. You know, pay some money to get some information that no one else has. If you could personally call somebody who is a diehard fan of a school and give them a story about somebody at their school that they don't know about that only you do, I think people would would sign up for that. Oh, I got stories about everybody. Like if there, you know, if there's a, you know, an Alabama fan out there, and you've got a really good Nick Saban recruiting story that you could tell that basically they have to swear to never tell anybody, and it's going to cost them what two ninety nine to hear from you. I think that I think people would fall for that. Well, I could talk about Reuben Foster getting kicked out of the opening. Oh, we'll put that and behind the paywall and taking an illegal visit up north during that. Yeah, I got. I'll get scandal. So if I offered, you know, a half hour call of just pure scandal, maybe people would mm. sign up. Maybe. Find out. Right. DM Mike. His, his DMs are open. He accepts uh, all messages, all curse words, yeah. anything you've got. You can DM Mike. Yeah, at DM Sports. If you subscribe, maybe I'll do that. So here's what you do. Subscribe on the on the YouTube channel. Send Mike a screenshot of that subscription so he knows that you're legit. He knows it's a real deal. And maybe I'll, I'll force him to go through those and, and randomly pick one out. And he'll DM you, get your phone number. You guys can have uh, have a nice chat. Or we can have a podcast. Oh, we're doing guests now. Let's do it. Okay. Well, can we do yeah. three people? We I can do as many people as you want. Okay, because I, I got a lot of people that I know that I could ask to do the podcast that would be very much more interested than you and me. But I didn't know we could do three. We can do as many. I, actually, you can do up to 10 if you really, really wanted to. That becomes a little bit too much of Hollywood Squares for me. But you can do 10 if you want to. All right. So if like Jadavian Clowney's coach from yeah. high school wanted to come on or, or let's say um, Chris Fowler. I thought you were going to say Jadavian Clowney. If he wants to come on, I think that yeah. would help you out. Chris Fowler would help you out too, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. That would be a lot of favors or Scott Van Pelt. That'd be a lot of favors and stuff like that. But, but I'm saying like, there's also guys that I know, like Percy Harvin's high school coach, Chris Beatty is now in the NFL and he's got some really interesting Percy Harvin stories, but I don't know if anybody cares about Percy Harvin because he's retired from the NFL now and who cares? Is but he doing okay? He's doing great. And he's going to rough be patch for a while, right? He'll be, I think he'll be, um, you know, a coordinator in college football soon. Great okay. recruiter. Um, you know, but yeah, there's just, there's rando guys like that. I, I could probably get David Pollock to do the podcast with me. I just, I don't effort. I don't try. I make no effort. And I guess gotcha. to be successful in a podcast, you have to actually make an effort. It doesn't hurt. I mean, of all the things you could do that wouldn't hurt a podcast, making an effort is probably one of the top two or three. I think we should start getting guests on that. Let's do that. Yeah. Can you organize it though? I don't want to do anything. Yeah, good. No, you, you, well, I need your name, right? Because David Pollock is not going to listen to I, as much as I think we are cool. I don't think David Pollock's going to listen to me, but if you 
like, Hey David, like let's, let's set something up here. I can knock it out of the park for you. But um, my success rate in David Pollock returning DMS for me is relatively low at this point. <laughs> to be fair, I've also never tried. So I'm trying to think of the most famous person that I know, but okay, I'll work on it. But I can, yeah, I got some. So I have one famous person on my phone from my UCF days. We actually had on the podcast. I'll see if he's available. I can get you Maury Povich. Is he still alive? He's still alive, Mike. Bite your tongue. Yes, he's alive. He's like 80. He's a young 80, though. <laughs> I would love he's married, to, he's married to Connie Chung, for crying out loud. I mean, there's, you know, he's fine. Can we figure out if it's my baby or not? He he did a sounder for me that basically says, uh, Sons of UCF, you are the father. I play that on the show every week. Yes. Do you? Do you have that as Super your nice reason? guy? I do not know. Super nice guy, though. Really nice guy. He talked a lot. It was, we, we were just trying to do like a 10 minute, like, why were you UCF's college game day picker in 2018 when you didn't go to UCF and have nothing to do with UCF? An hour and a half later, we just kept on going. Why was he? What was the answer? The answer essentially was uh, they had nobody else. He was friends with the producer. He'd always want to do it. They're like, hey, more are you free this week? So they called him a last minute and, uh, and he was on a plane to Orlando. Who's the most famous UCF alum? Maybe I can get him on. Alums? All right, so you got Dante Culpepper. But he's kind of been more of a recluse of late. Yeah, wouldn't be Brandon Marshall is out there. He's got his own podcast stuff he's doing these days. Brandon yeah, Marshall is one possible. in the in the entertainment space. Daniel Tosh is a UCF alum. Yeah. Tosh point oh. Yeah, he, Daniel Tosh. He's yeah. a big college football guy too. Yes, he, he UCF. He it all the time. He's more of a Pac-12 conf, conf, you know conformist now, but yeah. whatever. Okay, Daniel Tosh. He's got a Do lot you know of Daniel followers. Tosh. Really? He does. Do you know him? No, I'm going to check to see if he follows me. The, the weirdest people follow me. Like Peter Gammons follows me. The baseball oh, dude. Gammons. Wow. Yeah. Why? Why? No idea. You know? DM I, ask I get, him. I got rando followers like that. I got Deion Sanders. I could get him. He's pretty big, right? Yeah, he's doing well for himself, I think. All right. Let me think about this. I, you know, All this right. is not going to happen, right? Typically, we do production meetings off the air, but I think it's much more exciting to do it on the air like this. Well, and you also know me well enough to know that this isn't going to happen. And the fact that I even reached yeah. out to you today to do a podcast after I, yesterday, I was like, I don't want to do one, is really miraculous. So I'm proud of myself yeah. for actually doing one. You know, it's funny is I was sitting here on a Monday and I was like, you know what? I didn't get a text from Mike today. Usually it's like a random afternoon. Like it's just one word. There's no hellos. There's no, how are you doing? It's pod question mark. Sometimes not even question mark anymore. I think he's, he's stopped no, the question mark. That's. It was yeah, stop the question mark. One too many characters for Mike. So it's usually just pod. And I was sitting here last night. I was like, I didn't do a pod with Mike today. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if he's under the weather. I should DM Mike. I should I reach out. I didn't, of course. And then pod. Here we are. <laughs> it's the, the Mike Farrell Sports Enterprise is really, honestly, it's a it's a circus with all clowns. And I'm yeah. the head. It's really I heard you nice. wanted editors, though, story editors, ideas. I can, you want me to help you out? I can, I'll edit oh, something for you. My, my editor in chief, Matt Perkins, who is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. He is drowning. We had last week alone, he did 54 articles that he edited. And that's not all the articles we did. We probably did over 100 on the website last week. So what I'm doing is I'm going to scale down the content to make it more quality rather than quantity. Um, and I think that's going to help traffic and people coming back because they're going to read good stuff. But I need editors. I, I got everybody who wants to write. I got social media guys that rotate in and out and quit after a week and all that stuff. I can write. I need recruiting guys, but I need editors more important than that. So, you know, people. 
Now they, I don't know anybody, but yeah, gotta be an intern. I can't. I have no money. I, I, I'm, I'm close to selling my Dan Marino. Gorgeous. Wow. wow. I'm never gonna sell. I'm kidding. I'm not poor, but I don't have any money to pay anybody because right now I'm a startup. I'm a complete startup. Yeah. You know people who work for free like really hard every day. Uh, very few. How about you? It's possible. You have a real job, right? I do. Does it pay well? I have like two real jobs. Yeah. Uh, it's not bad. So you, but you have, you said you have like breaks here and there, right? Yeah. I've got a flexible schedule. I kind of make my own schedule, schedule my own meetings. You know, I can, I can move some stuff around. I, I'm loosely in charge of a bunch of stuff. So if, if I say we're not meeting till two, we're not meeting till two. Right. So I've got, I've got some flexibility. What would possibly be the upside for you at all? To do what? To 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 help me being being an editor. Whew. We I should tackle that. On, yeah, um, you know, because here's what I, I believe in you, Mike. I think you're gonna you're gonna be big one day. I just have this I feeling am. about you. Well, you're gonna be true. big one day. I believe that too. Not fat bastard big, maybe even regular big. And Mike Frill Sports is gonna take off, and you're gonna be like, that. you know what? I'm about to start my own network here. I need the brightest people around me. I'm going to give that one guy, whatever his name was, a call and just say job. And that's it. And that's what I'm expecting from you down the road. So that that's maybe the hook for me. Well, it is a good hook. I mean, there are a few people that have been with me since the start that have been very, very helpful, who never complain, uh, always work hard, who go above and beyond because you started doing those thumbnails, um, which is above and beyond to me. And then you start doing the clips and then it helps with the... So if it's somebody that I don't have to babysit or manage who volunteered for this, who's really been there since the beginning, yeah. When I do get huge, um, not fat, but huge, yeah, it's going to be. You just wait for that text that says job. Okay. You know. I'm, I'm going to make sure I refer. I'm going to put, I'm going to pin you to the top. You know, you can put like special. T- I'm going to pin Mike Farrell to the top of my text string and just yeah. wait every day for job. Day well, I'm sure. You get pod and you'll be like, damn it. Actually, I'll probably get pod, clips, and then maybe light because I feel like light may be the new one that you're uh, you're gonna you're gonna work on. <laughs> light is a problem; it's a real problem. So, but I, I appreciate well. all this. I think you know nobody's lasted this long to listen to all of this, so it's just me and you mm-hmm. talking. This is kind of a production yeah. meeting. There's not one person that's gonna listen to this till the end. But I think we've uh, really fleshed some stuff out. So if you do have editorial help for me, whether it's you or somebody else, I can use it because Matt is drowning in content. And that's the funny thing. We put up so much stuff on my website. I did an SEO evaluation. We almost do too much stuff. Like search engine optimization can't figure us out. So I'm going to really, really narrow the focus and, and make things a lot better and easier for everybody. Are you are you looking for long form pieces? You want short, quick stories? What's the what's the vision of MikeFrailSports.com? So I'm going to start doing more opinion stuff. You know, I did the opinion piece yesterday on Frost and 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 um, Chris and Tucker and how ridiculous the Big Ten is and these decisions that are being made based on future TV money. Um, but mostly quick hitters because I think people you know, have an average attention span of like 32 seconds per article, and then they'll last a minute if it's something that intrigues them. Um, so, you know, factor fiction is quick. Three-point stance is a little verbose. Um, opinion articles are a little bit verbose. 
but just you know my rankings of players my rankings of high school prospects just little hitters like that are pretty much what it is and you know again it's carte blanche it's not just an editor i need someone who's going to come up with story ideas who's going to want to brainstorm about story ideas in one one word text back and forth um and then you know wants to write and build their name but also help on the back end side where there's no glory at all because that's where we really need the help is your text is your data plan by the word <laughs> I, I it, just, it just hit me maybe you're a startup you said that you know you're trying to control costs maybe you're paying by the word i didn't i never thought of that i, I feel bad now that i hadn't considered that no 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 it's not by the word i will tell you though yeah i did say pod let me see what I, I if you go through our text string, I mean, if I get more than four words, it's typically something bad has happened. I am right now. Okay, so September eighth, I said wanna pod tonight? Question mark. Yeah. That changed into <laughs> Monday of last week pod schedule with a question mark. Yeah. And this today was pod. Yeah. Yeah, now here, here's here's my text from Mike. Ready? It sucks. I shall schedule today. Let's do 240. This is the longest one in a while. Can you do some clips when you can? You demand. What's the schedule? Want to do 530? Want to do 415? <laughs> pod schedule. How about now? Let's do six. Can you clip? Oh, bleep. Forgot. Thank you. Pod. How's 530? <laughs> That's efficient. That's efficient. And he's a writer, ladies and gentlemen. He's a writer. He's an accomplished writer. Mike Farrell does it all how I text everybody. And that's probably why people think I'm an absolute dick. They probably mm -hmm. do because I'm just like very blunt and very, you know, I, I send my, uh, my, my social media guys and I just send them like two words, you know, post this. And they're probably all like, <laughs> you're a jerk. You're such an ass. Like, yeah. why are you so mean? Yeah. I think it's just a, I don't like texting. Um, cause I do it all the time and B, I don't want to burn the extra calories by typing extra words because I'm trying to mm -hmm. stay big. I think that's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what? Maybe just get him a holiday card and you call it good. I've, I've, I've done things for them in the past. There yes. You, you know, holiday cards. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I, I, my public perception is that of a complete dickhead, but I am far from it, but I don't have the energy to change my public persona. Does that make sense? Mm. It does. It does. I don't want to bit of that. There's no winning anybody over. I am who I am. This is what you're going to get. So whatever. We should delve into that. Well, maybe with David Pollock, we can, we can break that down. Yeah. I'm going to start DMing guys. See if they'll come on. So all of this is great. We've done a good job. Um, we'll see how many people listen to this. We'll see if subscribers add so they can get like a phone call or become a guest on this show. Uh, I could start promoting that. Um, I think this is it. This is the one that's going to send us off into the stratosphere. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being a part of history then. And, uh, and tune in next week to watch all of this never come true. We will talk to you then. Have a great week. See you. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.